0: welcome to manager tools today's topic the coaching feedback template for presentations here we go Remember we did that cast on like, you know, running your meetings to your directs and then being able to give them feedback about it, right? You get to delegate, you get to coach, you you got to give feedback, you know, all the while, while developing your directs. And the real good thing was you got a whole bunch of extra time and bandwidth to think about the content of your meeting, right? Instead of the process of running it. So that was one of those moments where I thought, like, man, this is so cool because we get to take all these things around management and tie them all together, right? Yeah. If you didn't know how to do it before, if you learn how to do it, then you can apply it and you get
1: specific personal benefits. You get time back and bandwidth back to be
0: more effective. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, if if the meeting were about budgets, we'd have gotten everything, but that's – Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We'd have touched on everything. The trifecta of management.
1: And the, re- the reason I did it was because you and I talk about these kinds of things all the time where one-on-ones and feedback and coaching and delegation all go together. And yet, I think newer managers, managers just starting on their development process, don't really see that happening. And so, we say, oh, well, and, and of course, it includes meetings as well, right? But just delegate the running of your meeting. There's two. And then coach somebody on it and give them feedback on it. And they went, whoa. But yeah, I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a good combination of everything. And…
0: The reason to do it is not because it's a good combination; it's because it gives us time, time and energy back. Exactly, and that, and and by the way, folks, that has nothing to do with today's topic at all. <laughs> other, than, <laughs> other than the fact that this that this cast is for me kind of a similar moment where we get an opportunity to combine a couple different things and giving feedback to folks about improving their their presentation skills, which is. As we all know, if, you're, if, you have, if you want a great managerial executive career, you have to get good at making presentations. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, a manager came up to me at a conference and says, you know, okay, I get it. You know, I, I know I have to coach my people on presentation skills. My people have got to be better so they can get promoted. That, you know, that makes me look good, right? But, but the guy says, look, it's, it's hard for me. I'm in the meeting. Uh, I'm listening to the content of the presentation. And of course, that takes up a bunch of my bandwidth, right? I can't focus on my direct presentation skills specifically, or if I do, I really miss what he or she is presenting on. I'm not sure what to look for. I'm not sure how to judge it. You know, I end up just mentioning two or three or four things to him or her that really feel kind of off the cuff and not as helpful as I'd like to be. And I thought about it, yeah, okay, that makes sense to me. And then when you and I talked about it, we realized this is another one of those nice little perfect spots for us, right? Managers want to develop people. They don't know how. And we can give some simple guidance that it's not perfect. I mean, it's not an entire year's worth of development, but frankly, no manager we know would want to use an entire year's worth of developmental planning. It's simple guidance that is noticeably better than everybody else just trying to just get better, right? Without, without knowing how to do it. This is like a lot of the stuff we do at Manager Tools, it's not rocket science, but it's just hard enough that most of us don't have time to sit down uh, and come up with some sort of way, some sort of template or process or how I'm going to do it. I mean, I've asked this question before at conferences, right? How many of you have sat down saying, okay, I got to help Joe improve on X and then said to yourself, oh, that's a lot of work. I got to prepare for X. I don't know about X. I got to read books. I got to do this. I got to do that. And thus the coaching never happens. And... That's part of why we're here is to make, make, you know, we don't want to make the perfect the enemy the good. And this is a good way to get started. A sort of a basic tool, a checklist to make our jobs as managers, particularly
0: when it comes to improving directs presentation skills, to make our jobs easier. Yeah. And so today we're going to talk about what do you look for when you're evaluating your directs in their presentations? Right. Right. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to introduce the manager tools
1: five by five by five presentation feedback matrix. There are five things to look at, obviously, and um, we're going to talk about what to look for in your directs opening of their presentation. We'll give you a number of sub-areas to look at. In fact, we'll give you five sub-areas to look at. What to look for in their body language, what to look for regarding their purpose, what to look for in their slide use, what to look for in their question handling. Now, these are not Um, comprehensive, but they are key ones that if every one of your directs mastered them, your directs would be noticeably better. And then after that, there are three more points we want to make. First of all, we don't evaluate endings too often in meetings. They're messy. We also want to share there's nothing wrong with changing this template if you have a particular area that needs to be addressed. And the great thing is for using a template like this, uh, which would be available on the, on the website for premium content members. If you do this multiple times, you're going to have a written record of uh, directs efforts and improvement over the course of time, which is very helpful to um, your end-of-year reviews and pitching them for promotions and so on.
0: Good. Well, I got to admit, the first time I heard you talk about a five-by-five-by-five by five by five presentation feedback matrix... It's like, man, I thought a two-by-two two matrix is hard enough, man. A five-by-five-by-five, yeah. five five. how'd you come up with that? Yeah, it really, it really, it's, it's it's simple, and it sounds way more
1: complicated than it is. Basically, what happened was these conference attendees came up, and they asked me for some help, and I said, well, look, if I were doing it, it would look like this. I'd come up with some sort of repetitive cheat sheet, and this is all about being making it possible for me to listen to a presentation and pay attention to... The presentation skills as well i'd come up with some sort of repetitive cheat sheet that i could apply to all my directs that way i wouldn't be having to think as hard you know about each presenter right i'd have a list with some presenting basics on it and the the, the group that was that formed around me said really just just basics and i said yeah presenting is one of those misunderstood skills well, at least in part because we're exposed to people who are very good at it in TV and so on. It's one of those skills where everybody thinks the gap between never having done it and don't know how, and then really, really, really smooth, the gap there is enormous. And it probably is if, you know, to go from not presenting at all to be fabulous is, is pretty hard. It takes time. But the standard for improvement needn't be really, really, really smooth, right? All we need to do is follow you know, you heard me say it before, the one-eyed king rule. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed person is king. We don't need to be a professionally booked presenter or speaker. We just need to be thought really effective relative to the average performer. And basically, what I said was, we can reduce that to a few variables, measured with a few proxies, and get a really good basic And broad assessment of someone's skills. It's not perfect, but it gives 99% of the managers in the world a way to think and evaluate their folks' presentation skills. And they're like, oh, okay. So then somebody smartly said, well, since you're talking about it, (laughs) what would be on the checklist? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And I I regret at the time that I didn't say, hey, let's wait and collaborate with everybody here. Because not only would it have been fun at the conference, uh, we wouldn't have had the time. And everybody would have gotten the benefit of it at the conference, but but look, hey, I uh, I said, hey, here are the things I look at. I you got to look at your opening. Uh, you maybe you'd look at closing, although it's kind of messy. We look at slides, we look at body language, etc. And then they said, okay, they wanted to know more, and they're all scribbling as I'm as I'm talking. I realize, oh, I'm really giving them a good answer here. And as I was going through more details, I said, geez, this is something we got to share with more people. And then they said, okay. And then they came back and said, how would you evaluate somebody's opening? I thought, wow, we're really, (laughs) we're getting right down to the nub of this
0: thing. Well, they got your attention for a few moments. Why not get a
1: little uh, free
0: consulting, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I suggested they go back to the cast about opening one's opening, but then somebody said, okay, I will do that, but anything off the top of your head? And I said, sure, blah, 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 And basically what we have here today is the fleshing out of that conversation that I had with, a, with a, a conference attendee. And we've made it easy. If you're a premium subscriber, you can download your templates at any time. We've created them, print them out whenever you want, use them, and we actually have created two templates here for you. One that allows using check marks with already provided boxes, scoring one through five, sort of a graded
0: scale, and one that allows you to write in a number or a numeral, right? And we're going to cover all the details of the template here. So if you're not a premium member, then you can create your own template. You can create your them. own, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep.
1: And on each template, we've left room for one measure, one extra space for your your own measure or proxy, and and that's for you to put down, figure out what you notice, uh, what you think is important, and provide feedback on it every time. Now that's sad. Uh, I thought about it a little bit more, and uh, I just like to a word of caution. This template is not a tool to distance us from our directs. It doesn't take the place of feedback. It complements feedback. It leads to feedback, okay? Don't just fill this out and then hand it to your direct and say something of, hey, I graded your test, right? we're providing this to make it easier for you to know what to look for and then to be able to evaluate it. It doesn't really stand by itself unless you're evaluating in secret. It gives you a platform to stand on when you're talking with your direct about their presentation skills. I think that's important. We don't want to we don't want to make management so easy, quote unquote, that it's all filling out forms and sending emails and so on. If you're using it that way, you're using it
0: incorrectly. Yeah. That wouldn't work too too well. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's get into the items on the checklist. Let's talk about the opening. the The right. opening of any presentation is incredibly important. Yet we've gotten to this place where, at least most presentations I observe, the, you know that the culture is that it, it just it never really quite starts. It just kind of people wander around and they kind of start some in some informal way, and that's not a terribly effective way to start a presentation. There's a better way. Yeah. To do the opening yeah, that comes from people you know rebelling against
1: podiums when I mean, we don't even agree with podiums but but yeah it's the wrong rebelling to be doing it looks unprepared it looks too casual if you think you know your presentation so well that you can behave with some disregard born of unquestioned expertise you're really probably wrong. I've seen maybe five presentations over the past 25 years that would hold up to the standard of, I am so good at delivery and content and persuasion that I can pretty much get away with being unstructured in the beginning of my talk. Being casual at the start of a presentation is a bit like guaranteeing a big win and a big game. You know, if you're not Babe Ruth, if you're not Joe Namath, um, at least for us Americans, you ought not to be doing that.
0: Um,
1: yeah. There's a lot of risks. So so what we did was I just said, okay, look, let's make it as simple as possible. If I'm a manager, what am I going to look for in the opening of one of my directs presentations? Here it is. So number one, on time, does the presentation start on time? Is there an indeterminate start? Is it unclear when they're starting, right? Is the presenter completely ready when they start? And they ap- do they appear to be so when their time comes? You put all those things together and you give them a grade on, of one to five, okay? Number two, stand still. When they begin speaking, are both feet unmoving on the floor? Are they balanced naturally as opposed right. to leaning up against something or, you know, swaying from side to side, that sort of stuff? Would you include
0: being in the power position in this particular point? Absolutely, yeah. Pause, right? And Okay, do they pause before they begin, even if slightly?
1: Have they kept quiet until the opening, not chatting, not apologizing while passing things out or setting things up and so on? Yes. Okay. Eye contact. Do they make eye contact with the audience individually, serially, slowly as they begin? Or are they looking down at their notes or the screen or over everybody's heads? And then the fifth one in this five in in, in the first of five is a crisp first sentence. Do they have clear a clear, short, memorized first sentence. Do they say it easily? Do they say it naturally? Is it interesting? And does it suggest interest in the presentation for the audience? And and this should give everybody a sense of the five by five by five. This is the first of five areas we're going to look at. We have five sub-areas to help you evaluate it. And we're going to grade each of those five sub-areas on a scale of one to five.
0: Excellent. And that's it. And you can either, you can either write down a four or you could put a checkbox on next to a four or a three or whatever you want. Yeah, and they sound pretty simple. Yeah, so nothing, nothing complex. But again, if you had to dream up this, you know, from scratch, you might, you might miss some of these things. Yeah. So good. Okay, so let's let's go to the second of the five, which is body language. Yeah, I tell you, this is funny. Um, managers tell me all the time, I want to be myself when I present. Well. <laughs> <laughs> What if you're not a good example? Yeah, what if if yourself is not a good presenter? I I don't know.
1: Yeah, look, let's remember the first rule of presenting. It's all about the audience. Folks, the audience gets to be themselves. The presenter must be what the audience needs him or her to be, okay? It doesn't matter if you're naturally shy or if you're soft-spoken or you prefer highlighting data to being persuasive in your presentation. An effective presenter makes gestures that are larger and more open than normal, whether he or she does normally or not. An effective presenter moderates their tone and their pace and the, the loudness, you know, and simply standing up there and being pleasant and being yourself. Well, everybody thinks themselves as pleasant until they actually get feedback saying nobody really liked you in the presentation. So here's what we look for in body language. Number one, facing the audience. Do they virtually always face the audience when speaking? Do they frequently turn their back? Either read slides, point at slides, or gesture at visual aids, okay? Number two, big gestures. Do they make gestures with their hands and arms that are outside of the box created by their waist and shoulders? Or do they tend to make small and and therefore unimportant and unseen gestures? Do their gestures appropriately punctuate their efforts? Number three, do they make both general and specific eye contact? Do they look audience members in the eye when they talk? Do they pause and linger briefly on each person or do they flit from eye to eye? Do they look elsewhere, reducing their perceived confidence? And, and frankly, if you're the manager, do they look at you? Yeah,
0: do so they look at the decision
1: maker? <laughs> for example. Yeah. Number four, moving around without pacing. Do they move around when they're speaking? Okay. Or do they stay in a one square meter box and create an impression of being caged? Now, look, in some conference rooms and so on, it's totally okay to stay in a small box, but you don't want their feet riveted to the floor the entire time. Do they move around, but only in a straight line pattern back and forth with a metronomic effect?
0: Right. That's that's the whole pacing issue, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So some, some people define pacing as moving around and that's you can move around no. we're just not you just can't go back and forth between two points on the floor that's pacing right yeah and
1: what a lot of people do when they're doing that if they've got a big enough space is they they look at the ground they're thinking about their pacing pattern and they're looking at the ground of course at that moment it's not about the audience anymore yeah okay number 5 regarding body language is open gestures do they gesture with open palms toward the audience or do they do the opposite Do they use palms toward the audience with their fingers up, as in saying no? When we talk about open palms, we say palms facing the audience, in some gestures, with fingers down or to the side, which tends to be opening and welcoming, as opposed to palms facing the audience with fingers up, which tends to say no. And many, many, many presenters have a very bad habit of gesturing with palm out toward the audience and toward one particular audience member, fingers up, kind of like if you did it rigidly, it would be a stop sign. And they look right at somebody when the person asks a question and they push their palm toward them with their fingers up in the air and they say, thank you for that. And it's a disconcerting feeling of being thanked and being Pushed away, being shunned when we do that. Yeah, it's incongruous. Um, that's not to, Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's incongruent. Now, that's not to say the answer to that particular situation when you're saying thank you for somebody asking a question or making a point, is to then flip your fingers to the down, you know, and 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 then push your hand toward them. But rather, what you do is you. You extend your arm with the back of your hand toward the audience, and when someone says something that's helpful or whatever, you then gather that, like catching a medicine ball, toward you and say, thank you, I appreciate that. And it's a classic mistake that people make, and we, we recommend managers look for that specifically.
0: Good. Now, our next area that we want to address, the third, I think, of the five, is what to look for regarding their purpose. I think this is one of those things that if the audience listening here had to come up with their list, this might be one that they very well would forget about.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think most of us have this as a weakness when we're presenting. We think our purpose is obvious, it's clear, it's a no-brainer, or we wouldn't be on the agenda if people didn't know the purpose. But of course, that implies agendas and all kinds of knowledge that's just not, there's no evidence of it. But we've walked into meetings that have no agenda before we heard people, or we didn't read the agenda, or, or maybe we didn't understand the topic anyway, right? And folks, if you want to achieve your purpose, you have to tell your audience what the purpose is because they, the audience, determines whether or not you achieve it. And look, don't, don't be afraid of, of, of using it as a, as a bookend at the start of your presentation. You know, know it, own it, state it, and repeat it is the general rule when it comes to purpose in a presentation. So, the first thing you wanna do is, do they state a stated purpose? Do they state their purpose uh, of the purpose of the talk or the briefing of the presentation? It's not enough to say, I'm going to brief you, right? That's kind of enough to be ignored, right? Do they use the word purpose? Now, you might say, I don't wanna do that, that seems corny. Fine, we recommend you do, and your folks will Benefit from it when they become managers and executives, right? Repeated purpose. Do they repeat their purpose at least one more time? Now, look, this is for longer presentations, 20, 30 minutes, something like that. So if it's only a 10-minute presentation, they don't need to repeat the purpose, Three, written purpose. Is the presentation's purpose stated in written materials? Clarity about purpose helps audience members. And by the way, this is for, for those of you in software and IT, this is a great scope mechanism. Let's be clear about what the scope of this presentation is. And it gives you a, a reason that when somebody starts to go off on a tangent or on their own little soapbox about why X shouldn't be in or why y shouldn't be in this release or something, you can say, hey, look, I appreciate it. Probably would agree with you. And that's outside the scope. The purpose of this is to do X. Okay, So you want it written down. And it's particularly important written down if somebody reads your slides. And we're assuming slides whether they're good or not we're assuming there are slides involved there because they may read your presentation later and you're not there so it needs to be written for them four and we've touched on this already avoid detours right do they use a parking lot or stated time limits or clear answers to eliminate the possibility of their their presentation being hijacked taken off of its purpose right it's not enough to fail to achieve your purpose because of questions or rabbit trails, and essentially to, to blame the questions or the rabbit trails and say, well, you know, I, I would've gotten done in 10 minutes, but that guy totally unprofessionally hijacked the meeting. No, you've gotta state your purpose, and then you've gotta be willing to use a parking lot and deflect those questions and get back on track. And that's, that's why we state our purpose up front. And then last, did they achieve their purpose, right? How close did they get in light of the topic and the situation? Let's not say, oh, they did all the right
0: things on purpose, but they never achieve it, and give them a max score. The whole purpose of having a purpose is to achieve it. Good. Now, visual aids have become necessary in a lot of cases, yet a lot of folks haven't learned their effective use. So oh, boy. we need to think a little bit about what to look for in their slide use. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They become
1: necessary, but they're awful, right? But, you know, I think there's a lot of people who hate PowerPoint, and PowerPoint's not bad. PowerPoint is just grossly misused by the vast majority of people. It's not really not the problem. Our behavior around PowerPoint is the problem. Basically, lack of clear thinking in advance is only going to be magnified when presented.
0: If you have a clear presentation, the projections, the, the visual aids are usually marvelous. Right. The problem is, is that most for most folks, the process of creating the presentation is, in fact, creating the slides. Versus yes. thinking through what you want to talk about, and then only after you've worked out your speech, so to speak, do you go back and figure out what the slides look like. That's that's yep. the problem. Exactly. Yep, I agree.
1: Okay. So so what are the what are the five areas we're going to look at? First, one slide every ten minutes. Do they have roughly that amount? You know, have, look, having four slides for a thirty-minute presentation is fine. Okay. And the point of that is do they are they presenting with slides as a backdrop rather than reading or talking us through each one of their slides? Okay? Uh, number 2, are their slides titled with messages and not topics? We'll have a separate cast on the difference. Basically, do the slide titles convey what the presenter wants us to think wants us to think or do as opposed to just be the heading or a caption of a chart? Do they make conclusions rather than just announcing? Most slide titles tend to announce, this is what this slide is about. What good slide titles do is their messages, and they say, this is what I want you to think or do. Here's the result of this slide. Okay? Number three, six to seven lines per slide with a large enough font. You know, are the slides readable? That means 24 to 30 point type. Well-spaced bullets. Trying to cl- cram five slides worth of presentation into three means they're all illegible. You may then meet the thirty, the, the one slide per 10 minute rule, but nobody can read them, so it doesn't matter. I've alluded to number four already, slides as backdrop and not as presentation. Again, do, do they present their slides or do they make a presentation with slides as supporting material to help people know where they are and what the, what the points are being made? Do they turn every time they change slides? Bad idea indicates you're presenting slides. Do they talk to the slides and we just listen in? And then number five, please, no transitions, no sounds, no animations. The more clever a presenter tries to be, the more the slides are, what is going on, what is being presented, and that's a sign of a bad presentation. Do they try to use PowerPoint tools to
0: spice things up? It's a bad idea. Again, slides are backdrops and not the show itself. You know, a lot of folks think that questions are, in fact, interruptions of the presentation. That is not true. In fact, questions are a healthy part of presentation. Yeah. So what do we look for in their question handling?
1: Yeah. Most presentation preparation, you said it, boils down to building slide decks, right? In fact, we were just with a client, and um, the client had done all the pre-wiring, had gotten everybody on board, been clear about scope and everything else, and we're going to hash this thing out. And then one of his peers brought in an 80-slide 80, 80 deck and wanted to present to a COO of a multi-billion-dollar company. like, no, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> no. um, what happens is we build the deck and then we don't ever get around to asking ourselves because it happens at the end and we are just so happy to be done with the deck, we don't get around to asking, what questions am I gonna get and how will I handle each one of them? And the question really here for, for question handling is, does it look like that they rehearsed answers in advance? If, if you look like you rehearsed answers in advance and not just saying that's a great question, I expected it, which sounds offhand, but actually having good answers that are clear and succinct but full, that's very impressive. So, what do we look for? What are the five sub-areas that we look for in handling questions? Number one, encourage questions. Do they verbally encourage questions? Or, God forbid, do they mistakenly ask that questions to be delayed until the end, which is a complete non-starter in presentations. Number two, do they catch the medicine ball? We alluded to this before, right? When a question is asked, do they move or lean towards the questioner, and then step back as if catching a medicine ball thrown to them. And in fact, we talk about this very clearly in our Answering Questions in a Presentation podcast that came out several years ago. Do they show confidence to have to allow other people to have the floor knowing they can take it back whenever they want. Okay? Number 3. Do they make eye contact twice? Okay? And that means do they look the questioner in the eye during the question? And then briefly at the start of the question, okay, so that's all one, that counts as one. Do they then look toward other audience members as they're answering? And then do they end their answer with eye contact back at the single questioner, again. That's great body language, eye contact around a question from the audience. Number four, do they smile? Do they show confidence and preparation by smiling when receiving, answering, and or finishing the answer to a question? A lot of technical people don't think smiling is necessary in presentations and you're wrong and it shows and the non-technical people in the presentations particularly when you get to executive level think that you are nervous because you can't smile. And if you were smiling earlier and then you stop smiling during questions, they assume that you're nervous now during questions which indicates a weak argument. Do they appear relaxed? Do they become irritated by either too many questions or repeated questions from one audience member? And the way they avoid the way you, the way you avoid looking nervous or irritated is to smile. And the fifth one here is, do they answer it correctly? You know, do they answer the question to the the satisfaction of the questioner? And then is what they say accurate? It's high C. I'm glad you added
0: that in there. That's yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I'm a marketer. So maybe, I don't know. As long as everybody thinks it's right, I'm good. Exactly. Exactly. That's my whole point there, buddy. Yeah. Okay. So now endings are an important part of a presentation as well. Yet, we don't have a checklist for evaluating endings. Why, why is that? Yeah, you're right. Um, good presenters know how to close. We're going to do more
1: casts on how to really do it well. But we know that often presentations happen in meetings today. The agenda may be fluid, the agenda may be non existent. The facilitator, the meeting owner may prevent the person from owning the ending for all kinds of reasons, taking over or just wanting to get credit or whatever. And so we've tried this, and what we found is a lot of times the ending just doesn't happen the way the presenter wants it to, and so it's not fair. You can certainly add endings as something that you want to evaluate. We just didn't add it because the ending of of most presentations tends to be a little messy, and I think it's unfair to say, well, that was a messy ending, and give the guy less than 100% credit when, in fact, it wasn't their fault. Right. Pretty simple. Now, here's the way to handle it going forward. When somebody has mastered this template, when, when when you feel like they've got all five and all five areas and they're getting fours and fives every time, when they're consistently doing that, look for presentations that give them an opportunity to own their ending. And then because you've been doing this for a while, you should be able to figure out what the key things are. We're not going to give it away, but what are the three or four or five things you would look for to help you determine whether or not they own their ending?
0: Yeah. And then give them some feedback on it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, that leads us to our, our next point, which is, you know, folks, there's nothing wrong with changing this template. As the U.S. Marines say, do what you can with what you have, where you are right now.
1: Yeah. You know? I love
0: that line. Yeah. You're on the ground with your folks, right? You you know what they need. you know. Per- perhaps, right. you know, one, two, or even three, four of these, you know, these sub areas don't work for you. Maybe your organization has norms for presentations that are different than what we recommend. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, frankly, I'd be surprised if it was more than one or two, as these are they're pretty basic ground rules. Um, but you know, it could happen. Yeah. So just adapt as necessary for the position you're in, and and go from there. Um, we've already suggested the idea with the additional um, blank topic in each category. So yeah, there's an extra blank line in each one, right? Exactly. So that you can add your own. If, even if it's just your pet peeve or
1: whether it's your pet peeve or an organizational issue or your boss wants it from everybody, that's
0: fine. There's room for it. The one thing I, I really love about this template and using this checklist is that you have a written record of your folks' progress in making presentations. You can add it in your, your one-on-one notebook, you whatever. But I mean, if you want to get better, you measure it.
1: Yeah, you know, this is one of those cases where we're all so busy. People are probably listening to this going, wow, that wasn't that hard, right? I I think I probably could have done that on my own, but it might have taken a couple hours. And yet now that we have it, it just makes it so much easier to give quick feedback to folks. And by the way, folks, let's say you can't you don't want to try to tackle all five. Pick just one. Pick the opening and say, let's work on openings four, or five, or six times. And then the next time I, I, I see you present, I'm going to work on openings and on a clear purpose and build up to it over time. And now now what that will mean is you'll have to get people given a lot of presentations, but that's not hard if you're running a staff meeting. If you've got directs, you could have them presenting all the darn time even if it's just five minutes long or 10 minutes long. Um, You could have two people present every week, and that would be two of these filled out, and that's two, that's a 100 of these. If you've got 10 directs, that's 10 per person over the course of a year. Yeah, and and the beauty of it is, is as we iterate on this, you're going to be able to check and see over time. You just put it in the one-on-one form. You make a copy of it, keep it in your one-on-one form, and you can either write a number or you can use a check and you can, you can chart someone's performance improvement over time and you can just watch the numbers change. And look, it's okay to be two, 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 three, two, three, 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 four, three, three, four, three, four, three, four, 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 four two, four. There's nothing wrong with that. You look at the, the trend line of that graph, that's a, that's a good improvement. And how do people get better at stuff? They get better by doing it. And then they have a record at the end of the year of their improvement. You have a record at the end of the year. There's no argument about how much they've improved. And that is great, effective manager behavior.
0: Yeah. And this is so powerful. Why don't we have more of these? That's, that's why I want to know. <laughs> yeah, we will. Yeah. We all, I mean, remember, we always started out, right? It's all, it's, it,
1: it's your vision. It's manager tools. It's, it's not just manager cast. It's manager tools. Yeah. Yep. More to come. Yeah. So look, we offer this template on one particular thing that managers do to give you an easy way to start evaluating any, and frankly, hopefully all your directs on their basic presentation skills. Managers' believes that delegating presentations, giving your folks presentations, delegating things to them, and then providing feedback and coaching on those presentations is an elegant solution to developing directs without fancy planning without classes, without making up work for them. This is the kind of integrated behavior that is, again, classic effective management. The template doesn't make you great overnight, folks. We know that, but it helps you start and we know so many of you are wanting something, just make this part of my life a little bit easier. And once you've used it a couple of times, you're going to be good enough to give your directs real help and you won't even need it. You'll be able to, if you use it three or four or five times, you'll be able to watch somebody else that it doesn't even work for you and say, by the way, there are several things I look for and here are a couple of things I noticed in your presentation. You might and like, wow, finally, somebody gave me some details about what I'm doing and not doing. And the great thing is you use this with your directs. It makes it easier for you to deliver Polite, professional, kind feedback—good and bad, positive and negative—and that makes your directs easier to retain, and also for the company's from the company's perspective, more valuable in the long run. And that's a a nice bonus, a very nice bonus. Yeah. So today we introduced the five by five by five manager tools presentation feedback matrix. We talked about openings and body language and purpose and slide use and question handling. We suggested you not evaluate endings. Remember, you can change the template if you want. And the great thing about this thing is is with multiple repetitions, with repetitious behavior, you're going to get a written record of their improvement, and the director will know it as well. Hard to argue with.
0: Excellent. Love it, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it, and hope you're enjoying the holidays. Be safe, and we'll see you next week. So long.